Hello and welcome everybody to the great inflation versus deflation debate number two, Nate's opening response. Uh, last week we looked at um, boxes. Uh, one thing of note that you'll see on the thing uh, as we go through is a lot of the images just aren't available. Uh, they're from old links, they're broken, it's not my blog, so uh, just be aware of that uh, going in. But uh, anyway, he titled this the great inflation debate, the trap sprung mostly. So let's dive right into it. Money is the general medium of exchange, the thing that all other things and services are traded for, the final payment for such goods and services on the market, Rothbard. It becomes readily apparent to Vox decided to be very polite, to very politely insult me. Curious, cruelty uh, artists are often known for their subtlety. Regardless, insult it is. There is what you call, this is what you call it when a skilled opponent opens a chess match by going for a three-move checkmate. Intuition is you may fail fall fall for it. Well, thanks, mate. Uh, why didn't you just accuse me of licking the window of the short bus all the way to Medieval Academy of the Mentally Challenged? You may be wondering uh, what all this maneuvering is about. If you've read The Return of the Great Depression, and you should, uh, admittedly, I agree with this statement. You know Vox's depressionist case is based on debt disappearing. All it, uh, all it is not totally lost for him if the debate doesn't count uh, as money. Oh, totally lost. Okay. All is not totally lost for him if debt doesn't count as money. But it complicates matters for him considerably. If he can just show that debt is money and debt is disappearing, then he can, he's in a very good shape indeed. If you can't show debt is money, he can still make an effective case. It's just harder. Uh Ever the war gamer, Vox is trying to take the high ground. He doesn't. Uh, he knows it doesn't win him the battle, but it's the. Um, but this amount to getting there first with the most. I hope it doesn't surprise the reader that what, when I wholly reject Vox's proposed question, he has deliberately chosen two descriptions of money, both of which allow him to demonstrate that debt can be money in those terms. No matter which I choose, Vox can make his logical sound case that debt means all of the meets all the qualifications and thus is money. Uh, heads Vox wins, tails I lose. No thanks. <laughs> now I'm going to tell you what Vox left out, and I suspect he did this deliberately. I mean, honestly, uh, we're talking about Vox Day here. The man has been known to walk around with a Mises Institute hat over his mohawk. I wouldn't be surprised to learn that Rothbard quotes occasionally appear in his stool. Uh, do you really believe that he doesn't know what uh, everyone from Bastiat to Hayek said about money? Vox knows damn well that the definition I used for money was straight from Mises. I can throw Rothbard and Mises quotes at you all day uh, that back up my inst insistence that money complements a transaction and so can Vox. Completes. Correction. Making matters somewhat more frustrating, Vox quotes sell... Salerno. Let's see what Mr. Salerno said about credit that Vox has conveniently omitted. Credit cards should not be counted uh, as part of the money supply because use of credit cards in a purchase of goods does not fully discharge the debt created in the transaction. Instead, it gives rise to a second credit transaction that involves present and future monetary payments. Thus, the issuer of the credit card or lender is now bound to pay the seller of the good immediately 
with money on behalf of the cardholder or borrower. Later, in turn, is obligated to make a monetary repayment of the loan to the user and end of the month or later date at which time the transaction is finally completed. I'm just going to let that sink in here for a bit. You got it? I can't wait. Read it again if you have to. Note that nowhere in either Vox's proposed definitions do we find this critical factor. Tiergott omits it, Laws omits it, Mises, Rothbard, Salerno, and pretty much every other Austrian has agreed that the key factor to money is the fact that it completes a transaction. Completing a transaction is the one thing that money does that, doesn't, that nothing else does. In the interest of charity and goodwill, I will suggest that Turgot's characteristic of money are all fine with me, provided that we remember that the value supposed stored by money is subjective, and we add the requirement that I have hitherto beaten into the ground. It must be service to complete the transaction. Law, on the other hand, has puckered up uh, and kissed my whole ass. So given the Austrian definition of money, what is the bloody... A money supply. Ludwig von Mises said it was money plus money substitutes. Ha ha, says you. Vox has you. Money substitutes, that's credit. No. Since we're talking Austrian economics, we must look at the characteristic Austrians used to determine what uh, is or is not a money substitute. There are characteristics per well everyone that matters. Immediately convertible, it must have recognized par value claims with standard money. So given this, once again, I can see the wheels turning from here. You're thinking Vox has, has me. Credit cards are money substitutes, right? Uh, after all, one could argue that they are even more readily convertible than money in checking and savings accounts. They are certainly recognized as par value claims with standard money. Mr. Salarnio uh, already expanded, explained why it shouldn't count as them, and I would add a couple of points. One, I don't think Vox wants to go down the road uh, given the average credit card debt is up 5% from November 2011 to 2012. Uh, credit to Josh for pointing this out, and I left out the word average in the first post. The total credit card debt is down due to default. That doesn't uh, help his case much. On top of that, the point is that credit card money doesn't exist before the purchase, or it only exists in some form that isn't even remotely related to actual money and had the converted into money in order to become available for use. That is to say, some bank had to sell something to get money. Hell, if we're going down that road, we might as well call cars money because we can sell them, uh, get money, and then use that money to buy something else. If we do this, we've basically just mentally masturbated ourselves into oblivion. That's never good. Ask for your teach it. Now, compare money available on the credit card to money in savings accounts, which at some point was either actually cash or was in some checking account somewhere. The depositor still owes the money and has effectively unlimited access to the money. Legally, there are things banks uh, can do to limit the access, but it is pra in practical terms, it doesn't actually happen. Still, because those limits uh, are at least one... Because of the, those limits, one Austrian e economist, Frank Schoscott, argues that even money in savings accounts isn't actually in the money supply. Look, given that we can debate the merit of money uh, in savings accounts, don't you suppose it's a bit daft that we ask then if we think a derivative is money? We can't agree that cash you s stick it on a, in a savings account is money, but you want to ask us if money someone may think your house may be worth is 
maybe possibly sold it as. Let me reread that because that kind of jumbled. Look, given that we can debate the merit of money in savings accounts, don't you suppose it's a bit daft to ask us then if we think a derivative is money? We can't argue that cash you stick in a savings account is money, but you want to ask us if money someone may think your house may be worth if you maybe possibly sold it is. So once the credit card is used, the money for the purchase price then goes into the checking account for some seller somewhere, and the money is now in the money supply. Before, it was not. I want to make sure we're clear on this. The principle of the loan, the money the bank uses for the purchase of the or the proceeds the bank gives the borrower, the money counts in the money supply. The corresponding debt does not. The debt is nothing more than a bank's bet that he will get repaid. It's accounts receivable, no different than the accounts receivable of any other business. Beyond all of this, I will attempt to take uh, one tiny baby step forward. What is the money supply? M2 is close, but it negates some very important factors. Instead, I personally prefer Michael Parliol's TS. TMS1 and TMS2 metrics. The metrics can be tracked here. Unfortunately, the link is broken. Uh, I should note that one of these, that none of these are perfect, and we can debate at length about what should or should not be included in them. I prefer TMS2, but if you want to go with M2, that is fine with me. M3, however, is right out. After all, M3's additions are entirely credit transactions. It's like a giant bank circle jerk at the casino of the damned, no way. I do believe when you view the various uh, charts provided, you will agree that deflation would look quite a bit different. What we see here is a massive increase in the supply across the board. As such, I suppose I will pose a question to Vox. True or false, lots of things store value. Lots of things can be used to estimate value. Lots of things can be employed in the aid of exchange. Money does not does all of those things but money is the only thing that does all of those things uh and completes an exchange without creating a need for another transaction so that concludes uh that one you can find the link to this article in the comment section down below and uh hopefully you found this interesting and continue watching the debate thank you have a good day